What's up, fight fans? It is Wednesday, September 19th, 2018, and you are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm Gabriel, and it wouldn't be Wednesday without Miss WCW herself, Miss Kayla Beatty. Hey, G. Hey, fight fans. How are you? I am well. I have missed you. How are you, Kayla? I'm good. Yeah, I've missed you, too. It feels like we haven't talked in a while. Um, And maybe it's just because we had such a crazy week of combat sports that it feels like it's been a few weeks of MMA. (laughs) I agree with you. It was quite a lot. I mean, there was uh, four four major events total, um, including Canelo Triple G. So there was quite a lot of just fights going on for fans and we're gonna have just a big recap of a lot of different stuff but yeah this week's episode old dogs new tricks and you will understand that soon enough but Kayla let's get it started the UFC made their debut in Russia at Moscow and they had a very fun main event between Mark Hunt and Alexei Olenek Olenek gets the job done in his home country with a first round submission This one, because it was a fight pass fight, I feel like it's going to fly under the radar. But I actually feel it was one of the better one-round fights that we've had this year. What were your thoughts on the fight? Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, I post about a fighter every Friday, and it's usually one that's going to be fighting over the weekend. And I knew that Alexi Alenik had, you know, a crazy record and has been fighting for a long time and has pulled off submissions like the Ezekiel but I just didn't know how accomplished of a fighter he is so you know learning more information on him I just got super excited about this fight and then knowing that Mark Hunt is someone that obviously has that knockout power um, anyone that didn't watch I think was kind of sleeping on on this fight but yeah for it to finish in the first round in the way that it did was was really exciting yeah, when I watched it, I was very impressed with Mark Hunt's uh, opening. He was doing well with the low kicks. I felt like he was getting to all the positions he wanted on the feet. I feel like he was getting his angles. I feel like he was getting the opening. He cracked Alexi with a big right mm-hmm. hand, which I really got to say, I mean, I don't think they gave it the respect it deserved. He took a sh- direct hit from a fresh Mark Hunt in like the first minute and walked it off like it was nothing. With that a thumbs something... up. <laughs> yes, you do not see that every mm-hmm. day from fighters who fight Mark Hunt. Usually he cracks you with that one, and all they want to do is take him down. They don't want to stand with him. And then he actually turns it around. He actually staggers Mark Hunt a little, gets the takedown, and from there it was all just work for Alexi Olenek. He made it look a little too easy. Um, Kayla, he obviously made the reference that Mark Hunt has a very small neck, so it's very tough to choke him out, (laughs) Ezekiel or otherwise. It clearly didn't bother him. Did that surprise you at all? Well, I think what surprised me and maybe Mark Hunt is, like you said, him being able to take that heavy shot so early in the round and it looked like it didn't phase him much. And then to continue putting on pressure and not be afraid to get within Mark Hunt's range and then be throwing big shots yourself. I think that that's when Mark Hunt, it hit him like, oh, shoot, I'm in a a real brawl with a tough dude. 
Um, and again, it might just be, you know, Linux experience um, in, the, in the octagon and, and knowing his capabilities. But um, yeah, once getting him on the ground, I definitely saw like, now that I've been training myself G a little bit, like, and trying to go for rear naked chokes when that they, you know, very rarely occur. Um, it is kind of tougher when someone has that shorter neck. So I saw a little bit of the struggle there. I think that's helped Mark Hunt avoid submissions. But he's Alexi's just such an expert that you know he was gritty with it and and knew the opportunity would come if he kept fighting for it. And it was still very early in the round, so he had a lot of time to you know do work on the ground. Exactly. Um, I think for a Linux, uh, the thing I always remember is that, yes, when they have a shorter neck, it's not like, you know, you feel like some people they are almost like a giraffe, depending on where they're at and how they're moving on the ground. But what I remember is just really you thread that, you know, your hand right under the chin where you could feel that bone. You know that you got it snug. There is still a neck there, even if on someone like Mark Hunt, it looks like it doesn't exist. And you know, truth be told, I think Olenek knew that. I think Olenek was really just teasing everybody and just trying to, you know, get a few laughs out of the crowd. But I think he knew that he could do that to Mark Hunt very easily. I think that he wasn't worried about it. I think when you're as good as Olenek, you've seen plenty of guys who are built different ways, including short and stout like Mark Hunt. So it didn't surprise me at all. I think that the reaction was more surprising than the actual result that he was able to get it done. So, yeah, it was just a very fun performance. I was impressed with Olenek just showing his whiskers. He survived a very good start from Mark Hunt and got the job done. So, yeah, big win, historic, the first main event in Russia. So I think that's a great feather in his cap for a guy who's already been fighting over 60 fights. Mm -hmm. But Kayla, the question, obviously, where does he go from here? He's a top 10 guy. He just beat a perennial contender. And at a time when the heavyweight division is kind of in limbo, waiting to see what's going on with Daniel Cormier, I think it's a very interesting, where do you match him up with? Do you have somebody in mind? I think, you know, when he's pulling off performances like that, and especially on an important card where they really wanted it to end with a bang, and with his history in the sport, I mean, I, I really think it's, to me, it'd be shocking if he doesn't start climbing within those rankings and fight one of those top guys. I mean, Mark Hunt's been sitting around, you know, in the top of the division, kind of uh, shutting down anyone who's trying to get close to that title shot and knocking him down saying, you're not ready yet. Um, so I, I think that, yeah, t facing maybe closer to that top five is... is um, something that I would see happening for him. Yeah, I the guy I was looking at is Alistair Overeem. Um, you notice just about everybody ahead of him is booked. Junior Dos Santos, Taito Ivasa. Um, I wouldn't put him in there with a Volkov or a Curtis Blades anyway, but those guys are also booked with Nganu and Derek Lewis. Mm -hmm. But Alistair Overeem, I think, is a good test. He's a striker, so let's see, you know, somebody who... You know, I would say technically he has a few more tricks in the bag than Mark Hunt on the feet, but mm -hmm. also is a guy, you know, veteran, ex you know, experience also has a very underrated ground game. He's defended a lot of grapplers who have tried to take him down. And also Alistair Overeem isn't the guy he was back in December. He's coming off some losses to 
in Ganu and Curtis Blades that he kind of needs that rebound. And I think that if you're going to test a guy like Olenek to see if he could be a top five guy, not just a top ten, then Overeem's the guy to do it. So he's my top pick and um, just on availability and schedule, possibly. Look at your matchmaking. Always so spot on. Oh, thank you, babe. I'm just telling you, Sean Shelby, you could take a holiday, man. I got you. I know what the fans want. But yeah, look, it was a fun one. Um, I got a shout out. I don't know if you saw it, but Peter Yan versus Jin Soon Sun. That one was all different shades of like Leonard Garcia, Korean Zombie 1. That was that was just a barn burner. And there's just a lot of fun stuff on the undercard. So yeah, I, I even heard for a fight pass fight, the pacing was really good. So that was a nice one for fans who at least here in America, had a good start to their morning with some MMA. For sure. Now, of course, we have some MMA news. This one, it's actually been a slower week. I think we're waiting for the real headlines to pop possibly tomorrow, but we have a few things going on. The first one was the former lightweight and welterweight champion of the UFC, BJ Penn, returning to face Ryan Hall this December on the New Year's Eve card. Obviously, BJ, two-division champion. But Kayla, the numbers are what they are. He's lost five in a row, and he hasn't technically won a fight since 2010. And he also had that two-and-a-half-year retirement from the sport 2014. Ryan Hall, 6-1. and one. He won the Ultimate Fighter. He got to step into the finale and got the victory. He hasn't fought since that very awkward fight with Gray Maynard that had a lot of people scratching their heads back in 2016. He said that the layoff is due to a lot of other stuff. He's been busy with his gym. He has stuff going on in his life. And he did say that he's been looking for a good opponent, which the UFC has had a bit of trouble finding for him. So this is a very interesting fight in terms of the layoff and the timing for both men. But Kayla, the obvious question... Should the UFC even just be denying BJ Penn a fight at this stage because of his recent history? You know, I think that a lot of people have feelings about a BJ Penn, similar to a few guys that are, you know, from back in his time. Um, You know, someone who has had such a legendary career and then is starting to go on a bit of a losing streak or just not looking the same in the octagon you don't want them to go out that way. You want them to go out still being remembered as one of the best. And it's it's just hard when you have that highlight reel of losses. And, and that's what the new fans have an image of you. Because then you have people arguing, no, BJ Penn's amazing. And these new fans are, fans are like, this old dude that keeps losing? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I, I personally feel like... BJ Penn has so much more he could do within the sport. I mean, we know that he has a news outlet himself at bjpenn.com that's growing and growing. Um, He has his own gym. I feel like I've mentioned before with all of these Hawaiian prospects and, you know, companies like Bellator bringing um, the fight night to Hawaii, he would be great for commentary. I mean, I think that would be amazing to have him be a part of um, commentary for Bellator or, you know, cards that are stacked with Hawaiian UFC fighters. So I personally would rather him, you know, kind of start moving in that direction. But 
someone made a good point to me. And it's actually really funny that I swear, G, a couple of weeks ago, I was in a women's Brazilian, uh, women's jujitsu class and we were learning a move and, um, our instructor like brought up, oh yeah, there was this guy that won the ultimate fighter, like just doing stuff on the ground. Like he was, he there, everyone thinks he's like a boring fighter unless you're a jujitsu fan. And she was talking about Ryan Hall and I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, where has that guy been? Like my dad loves him and you know, I I haven't seen him around. Like when is he going to come back? And I swear to God, the next day people were talking about how this fight was being rumored. It was really weird, but um, someone brought hey, up it's the, at the MMA gods were working in the MMA universe. Yeah, I swear, I'm, I swear I'm a little psychic. It was very weird how we had just started talking about him out of nowhere. And then he gets I, in for a fight. I got a story for you also, but keep going. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that someone had brought up and they said, well, if they're going to give BJ Penn some more interesting fights, if he really has it in his heart that he wants to continue competing, you know, they would want to pick the right opponent. And I have to say, not a lot of people, uh, you know, our people are saying they don't really want to fight Ryan Hall just because of his style, that I do find it a little intriguing that, hey, you have someone like BJ Penn, who has, you know, history and um, resume built, it would be interesting to see someone like a veteran go in and face this guy that not a lot of people can figure out. So I guess I'm okay with BJ Penn still fighting, um, at least in this fight, but I really don't know what they would do with him after. And I think if he does take a loss to Ryan Hall, I think I just personally don't really want to see him competing anymore. Uh, You are, you you feel much more positive about this than I do. I'm going to tell you that right now. Um, (laughs) The thing for me is that, uh, okay, you know, we, with the BJ Penn situation, he, he's been given his chance. He came off from the retirement, and he had that fight with Frankie Edgar where he looked the worst he'd ever did in his career. Then mm-hmm. he had the fight with Yair Rodriguez, who he should never have been in there with. And then they give him someone literally his speed, who hasn't been successful, who is a little older himself in Dennis Seaver, and BJ Penn still didn't perform well. And now I think he's got, uh, I want to say he's going to be close to a year layoff, maybe more, when he fights Ryan Hall. You know, like, I get it. He's a legend. He's two-division champion. Give him another chance. You, We already did that for him. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, the Dennis Seaver fight, I was looking back at that one. BJ Penn, he wasn't the same guy. He wasn't moving. He wasn't throwing. That was such a winnable fight for him. And instead, I'm watching that fight thinking, BJ, just pull the trigger. You, uh, it, I felt like I saw the, a bunch of openings for him, and he didn't. And I don't know what was going on, if it was the layoff, it was if he was injured, if he was something. But I almost felt like, you know, this is kind of why, you know, we're saying that he should look into these other avenues that you said. Now, look, I love BJ Penn. He's a fun guy. You watch him back when he was destroying guys like Kenny Florian, Diego Sanchez, um, Sean Shirk. He was that guy just lighting it up in the lighter weight classes in the UFC. I recognize that. But like you just said, I mean, there's so many avenues. 
I know UFC wouldn't go for it, but I'd love to see him, you know, out there for the Lima and Bellator for when they get to Hawaii. Or if they were to do an, their own event in Hawaii, I think he should be allowed to do whatever he wants. Commentary, um, announce the fighters for Bruce Buffer for a few, <laughs> um, honor him in the octagon, honor him before the main event, honor him in the cage whenever you want. I would love for him to have that. I feel like, though, after the retirements, the layoffs, the performances, it's, I, I can't outright tell you, yeah, BJ Penn should be in there. Now, the fight with Ryan Hall specifically, talking about the matchup, um, uh, yes, people sleep on the fact that he was purely a ground guy and he got the job done on the Ultimate Fighter. Remember, he did get eliminated. He get, ended up in the Artem Lobov fight because the other finalists had visa issues. So that I want to, you know, be realistic. I don't want to sell wolf tickets on this one. But, you know, the thing about Ryan Hall, I notice he's a very awkward guy in the fact that I watched the Gray Maynard fight. For all these times he, quote unquote, went to the ground, he never actually went for a takedown. He would try to do like an Eminari roll or he'd almost literally try to pull guard and fall when Gray Maynard came forward. That. I think opponents don't want to deal with that. And mm-hmm. also, he's got a bit of that Zabit Magomed Sharapov. He kind of fights like he just woke up very loose and relaxed. And you almost get the feeling like you should be able to just really crack him once or twice and he's probably going to fold. You know, he hasn't fought too much in UFC, so we haven't really seen him get tested. But if I may say so, you're looking for a guy to make BJ Penn look good. I can't say that Ryan Hall is a guy with a lot of pepper on his punches. I think that it could last a while, (laughs) even if there's not necessarily a lot of damage being done, if that makes sense. So I feel like I get the stylistic matchup, at least from what I've seen from Ryan Hall and what we've come to expect from BJ Penn as of late. Pepper on his punches. I like that. I just came up with that. I'd like you to know. <laughs> but no, and um, this is really like, I, I guess BJ Penn, if he really wants to go out on a win and UFC is, uh, you know, obliging him, then by all means, if you're going to do this, you got to take a few risks, I think, if you're BJ Penn. Because I think at a certain point, and I hate to make this comparison, but it's almost like CM Punk a little bit is like, BJ, we're starting to get close to a decade now since you've gotten your hand raised i think you have to we have to be honest about a few things at a certain point so that's my one thing about bj penn is that timing doesn't look good i think that ryan hall is a guy who could you know work for bj penn though assuming he comes out and uses a few more of the things we know he's good at but it's a lot kayla it is quite a lot do you have any final thoughts on the fight? On the fight? No, I'm I'm looking forward, though, to fight week and seeing if BJ Penn will kind of give us an insight on just how he wants to go in and face Ryan Hall. I just think it's interesting to hear how people, um, you know, like what game plans they have to face a guy like him. I don't know. You've been training. How would you fight Ryan Hall? Oh, gosh, gee. Um, I'll get back to you on fight week about that. Okay. I got to talk to my coaches and my team. 
I don't know. I, you know what I think I would do? I, I really think you got to get in behind the jab and set up the right hand. And every time he goes down, just let him back up and get right back in his face again. Make it exhausting for him. Make him not want to keep falling. That would be my strategy if I were fighting Ryan Hall, if I may say so. Wouldn't it be you fun can... if someone just kept trying to go for Imanari rolls with him and then it just looked like they're having a break dancing competition? Oh my god. Yes, but I feel like if you paid for that ticket though, you would be up in <laughs> arms. You'd want to fight someone yourself right there. <laughs> but I know you're a good grappler, so like I know you'd probably want to go to the ground with him. I think you'd take it differently. I enjoy grappling. I wouldn't say I'm good, but yes, it is something that I like to I'm enjoying learning. There you go. Well, then, I think you may not like our next story. Retired fighters, or I guess now unretired, former welterweight champion Johnny Hendricks and former Bellator fighter Brennan Ward are set to fight bare knuckle. They're fighting at WBKFF. So just as a note, they are not fighting for the same banner that has Beck Rawlings and is making all that noise on pay-per-view. But... Hendricks just retired in June after a career that saw him win the UFC championship, but he's gone three and seven since 2013. He's 35 years old. Ward has spent most of his career in Bellator, but just 10 days ago, he pulled out of a fight for Bellator 207 and then announced he was retiring from MMA. He told Brett Okamoto he just isn't passionate about MMA anymore. Ward is one in three in his last four fights. Um, still a young guy, 30 years old. Kayla, I mean, this raised a very interesting question, I feel like. Not so much the actual guys in the fight themselves, but I feel like a trend that was worth discussing for us. And to me, it's that when you're Johnny Hendricks, You've been at the top at UFC, but you're on this bad win streak. Similar to like a BJ Penn, people are like, should you still be getting UFC fights with these guys who we know are young, up and coming? That's why they're in the promotion. People are saying probably not. So if you're Johnny Hendricks, if you did really want to fight MMA some more, would you be okay going to LFA or somewhere like that, which would be perceived as a big step down? I almost feel like maybe not. And maybe he feels like, well, I feel like I'll take more heat if I were to fight in LFA and possibly lose. I would almost rather retire now and just be like, yeah, I finished my career UFC. Similar for Brennan Ward. He's in Bellator. He's not exactly in main event fights lately. He's actually suffered some big knockout losses. And I wonder, Kayla, are these guys retiring just because they don't want to have to take the step back of leaving the big show? I feel like in Johnny Hendricks' case, that might be it. I also think that, you know, the elephant in the room, his um, issues with weight cut and his last, I don't know, several fights. I don't think like the more recent ones, but he was having a little bit of a problem there. I think that might be a hard way to sell him to like a Bellator. I think yep. the people that they have picked up, you know, well, I guess then they've also had issues with like, um, you know, tainted supplements. But yeah, mm -hmm. I think in his case, you know, when you're a former champion, um, I, I, I don't know. To me, it just seems like the way he's spoken. I think that, yeah, it would be a step back. In Brennan Ward's case, I don't think so much. 
No, it's certainly a point. I, I think it's very telling that he's a young guy thinking about it because I feel like, you know, you, he's probably a guy who's kind of on tenure in Bellator for a bit. I don't think his job was in jeopardy at all, even oh. though he suffered some losses. Um, with Johnny Hendricks case, it's just very interesting to me because I almost feel like I, I get it. You don't have to worry about takedowns, but I also want to point out Johnny Hendricks is primarily a wrestler. So to say to see him want to fight bare knuckle is almost a, uh, you know, I, I don't know what's the right term for it, but it's just a little surprising to me. <laughs> um, speaking of the other stuff, elephant in the room, um, I guess you would have to point out that a lot of people feel that Johnny Hendricks has not been the same fighter since USADA started getting implemented. Mm. Um, he touches guys and they don't react to it the way they used to. We've heard all that talk. Um, I don't want look. He's never tested positive for anything, so I'm not going to put that on him. But you know, always food for thought. I understand that. Obviously, bare knuckle isn't going to be quite so stingent, and that might be a factor. So I don't know, but that is worth bringing up. Either way, I mean, I, I guess. So, what are your thoughts on both of these guys retiring and getting back in there? Yeah, well, as far as Brennan Ward, I actually am friends with one of his coaches. And since I met them at, I think it was the Chael Tito fight card, the the Bellator card in L.A., like not the most recent one, but the one before. Yeah. Um, He, you know, I've had opportunities where, you know, we've been talking about, hey, do you want to set up an interview? And, you know, Brennan, from what I'm told, is someone that, He's grown up. He got into fighting because his father was a boxer um, or was involved in combat sports, owned a gym. And it's something that he's always been passionate about. But it's kind of from what I'm told is when he has a fight, he's focused. And then when he's done with that, he definitely likes to disconnect. He has plenty of other things that he still finds very passionate about. And I think that he's someone that you know yeah when he has an exciting matchup and and because he was doing well and getting knockouts sure why not keep this momentum going going you're doing well and and finding success but I think because he's taken a couple of losses and because he's not so much uh, a fan of really the sport when he's not fighting or I guess like not as involved as some of some other fighters are um I think maybe he's being smart and 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 taking the opportunity to um well i guess i don't want to say being smart and taking the opportunity to not suffer as much um damage because then he's going into bare knuckle but i (laughs) guess just um you know i i think that the i could see the reason why he's taking this bare knuckle fight is i have heard from several fighters that the pay one is is much better um and and like you said it's kind of not putting as much pressure of like, Hey, you're in Bellator. You need to keep these wins to stay in these rankings and, you know, try and continue to get main event fights and get that paycheck. And, um, I don't know for me, Brennan Ward, I think that I'll always, um, what I like most about, uh, watching his fights is, you know, he's going to go in there and brawl and, you know, he's going to, he has, you know, that strength and knockout power. So to me, a bare knuckle fighting competition uh just has his name written all over it 
as far as Johnny Hendricks, I kind of do see it more as like maybe he only wants to compete a few more times and this would be a nice paycheck or a nice way for him to kind of be the one of the top or, or you know, just more well-known names with the promotion. So yeah. I kind of just see it as like the next step for him because like you said, I think his UFC career is just, um, you know, was, was taking a dive. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Ward's style, I think it really suits him for bare knuckle. I think that, um, it, you know, I don't know. Is it the fact that he doesn't want to worry about the takedowns and other stuff? Does that just take a lot more stress off preparing? Does it feel like it's just more natural and easier? Um, I'm assuming so. So I think if that's really why, then I guess I, I hope to hear that from him because it almost feels like, well, you just said you're retiring, you know, a week ago, it's like, and now you want to do this? It's like, uh, I almost need a, like, like if I'm Bellator, I'm almost like, well, what's up really, Brandon? Like, tell us what you really feel. Mm -hmm. So that to me is there, but I get that. And like I've said about people from Ronda Rousey to Rory McDonald, if you honestly don't want to be in that cage, I don't want people to push you to get in there. I don't want to see you in there. I'd rather a fighter who is invested, who I can get invested in, competes if for whatever reason you don't want to i really don't think that you know you should be in there and that's not disrespectful that's just you know if you're really feeling that for your own safety for my own investment in you you know uh, i'm with you i wish you all the best in the next one so that's really how i feel johnny hendrix um i don't know it's a little weird but i guess you know i wouldn't be surprised if he's looking to just kind of get a w back and not just you know, his competitive career went out the way it did. So I feel like that might be the motivation, but I'm sure we'll find out. Obviously, they're going to fight later this year, and I'm sure we'll get comments both of them about what's going on. That one is in, it's on in November. So fun stuff. Uh, Chris Lieben, who we spoke to, he's doing that now. So certainly a lot of guys, we know, getting involved in the bare knuckle business. Mm-hmm. So Kayla, I had a, I promised you a story. So I was at a party. I was invited um, by one of my um, people I work with in the media. They were having a nice party at this nice home for the Emmys to watch. And I was there with a few of my friends. And um, we're talking what's going on. And then, of course, you know, like Gabriel. So what's up with the Connor Habib stuff? And I'm talking about it for a few minutes. And, um, you know, they cooked some nice food and were brought out a dessert. And no lie, like, I just get done talking about Connor and Habib. And they bring it out to me. And guess what it is? Um, what? Tiramisu. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I was like, you can't make this up. I'm telling you. Um, but yeah, so which brings us, I mean, I didn't want to just talk about, you know, these two headlines, even though they're kind of dominating, you know, the news sphere this week. I want to talk about some fun fight stuff. Kayla, I am planning my UFC 229 party. Um, I'll send you your invite soon. <laughs> but so I have the new bottles of proper 12 Irish whiskey. But I don't know what drink I need to get for the Habib fans, and I need your help with it. So I want to ask you, what drink should I get specifically for the other half of my party goers? Yeah, you do need um, a drink for the Habib fans. Depending on who wins, I'm sure the 
Habib fans don't want to be drinking proper whiskey to cheer. Um, I mean, that's what's funny, I think, about, you know, Irish and, and Russians is my friends who, um, you know, have that background speak about how they really don't like to mix cocktails. They like to drink it straight, the Russian vodka. Uh, I actually just spoke with a lady, uh, a lady who was Russian, and I asked her, I said, you know, what's your favorite Russian vodka? And she's like, I can't really remember the label, but it's just so smooth. And we just like to sip and like pair it with a meal. But because you're having a party, I did look into this a little bit. And I like, I found a recipe for a Russian kiss. And it's still pretty um, basic. It has club soda, vodka, ice, and grenadine. So it makes it a little red. But I don't know why. I'm just picturing, you know, we haven't seen a lot of tension between Connor and Habib lately. But I feel like at this press conference, I could just see Connor talk and smack like he usually does. And Habib's kind of staying more reserved, but maybe like blowing him a couple kisses just to get under his skin. So if he does that, I think you should serve the Russian kiss. Ooh. Well, do you know anybody who could serve it? This is a excellent idea for the party i have some bartending skills g there you go well yeah well no i don't want you behind the bar you're gonna be hanging out with me hosting the party duh okay i'll call one of my friends there you go okay another fun stuff so you know what obviously it's not just adults like we saw with that guy who had his kid ask dana white for the tickets um, a lot of young fans, too, understand that this is a big one. So I thought, you know, OK, some it almost needs to be family friendly part of the party. So I thought, OK, what can I do, Kayla? And guess what idea I came up with? What? Petting zoo style. Bring in some little bear cubs for the kids to take pictures with and cuddle. That I'm not down with, but only because I don't support zoos. But it's your party. <gasps> <laughs> okay okay yeah and you get so here's the thing i did my research and you know what i found out mm. it's actually very hard to find a way to rent bear cubs good i, I stay found, that way <laughs> i found more stuff about being able to get an exotic tiger and an elephant oh than God. it is to actually get a bear which is weird because bears are less endangered <laughs> but um yeah, that was uh, that was quite a rabbit hole I went into, but I don't know. We might just have to get a lot of gummy bears for the kids, but that there is what go. I came up with. I like um, this which, gummy bear idea. <laughs> okay, which of course brings it to it. Um, I didn't want us to do a show tomorrow because I felt like it would just be, I, I feel like it would be hit or miss their press conference i am expecting a lot i'm expecting it to dominate talk tomorrow i'm expecting people to let us know the biggest sound bites and what have you but i don't feel like we're going to get something particularly new even if it is possibly a main event for the madison square garden card but obviously we've been waiting for this we haven't seen conor mcgregor in a press conference since the floyd mayweather stuff um and we've never seen both him and habib you know, in the same spot. So obviously people are anticipating this. What about you? What do you expect them to say or do at the press conference tomorrow? Besides blow kisses, if you're Habib. <laughs> Besides the kisses, um, I mean, I'm sure the bus um, thing will be brought up. I'm sure Connor having court issues. Like those are the things that I think 
Habib will use to kind of get under his skin a little bit um, or try to, you know, I guess just uh, pump him up and pump fans up. Um, I don't know. I could see Connor. We know he loves to go in and kind of snatch the belt from the other um, the other table. And I could see him saying how it's still his belt um, and that he was kind of just, Habib was just keeping it on ice if you may. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, just stuff like sexy. that, I guess. But I think that they know people want, even though I really don't think it should get more attention because I don't really, I still feel a certain way about the whole bus attack. But I think that they know that that's what fans are expecting to hear them talk about. What about you? I mean, what do you think? The, the issue with these, and um, I said it even about the Floyd Connor thing, uh, Floyd Connor hype was that they kind of became caricatures of each other, not necessarily coming up with something original, but like, yeah, someone, what's Habib going to say? You know, he's going to say something about the dolly. He's going to say something that implies Connor is number one bullshit. You know, this other stuff. Connor's going to say he's the real champ and never lost the belt. So I actually want them to get creative. I want Habib to walk out there with a dolly and be like, do you have something you'd like to do? <laughs> I want, you know, Connor to leave some bottles of Irish whiskey and take away Habib's water just to mess with him. The belt thing, it's almost like, it's almost too obvious that he's going to try to do it, but I anticipate that is going to be the main one. So I actually want them to get outside the box a little bit because I feel like they're kind of, We've been waiting so long. They're not doing a media tour. They're not doing any of this. I want them to kind of invest in it because if this is going to be the biggest event of the year, I want a little bit of heat on it. I don't want them to stay on the fringe, so to speak. Yeah, I think they will. Yeah, but certainly it'll be fun stuff. Um, I was reading an article. They have a lot of prop bets now. Um, there's a lot of funny stuff. Um, how many questions will Dana White actually get because Connor's finally back? Mm-hmm. Uh, will Connor be wearing his sunglasses? How many times will he mention the name? Oh, how many times will he drop the name of his whiskey? So there's a lot of silly stuff to anticipate tomorrow, but you know, it'll be fun. I'll be trying to catch some part of it. I have some work to do, but definitely I'll be recapping all the action. Kayla, of course, it is a double fight week now. We have both Bellator and the UFC and two very interesting main events. So let's start with Bellator. And one of the people you and I are very familiar with, AJ McKee, the young prospect of Bellator MMA, taking on John Macapa. Now, John is a veteran. He's got over 20 fights compared to AJ's 11, I want to say. But AJ was actually supposed to be fighting former champ Pat Curran who, not coincidentally, is the last guy to beat John Macapa. Actually, that was his last fight. So, Kayla, when I talk about this fight, I know that Bellator is big on AJ McKee. I think they do see him as a title challenger. I think this is a title. I think this is a title eliminator for him, you know, regardless if it's a boring fight for whatever reason. But if I'm being honest, competitively, I think that Pat Curran, we know he's more battle-tested. We know what he brings. We've seen him against elite competition. I think that John Macapa, despite his record, it's a more 
still a very lateral move compared to the guys we've seen AJ McKee fight. So, you know, I would have liked to see him fight one of these big names before we give him that title fight that he's earned. But this is still a very interesting one. What are your thoughts on the fight? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, because it's just, you know, here AJ has this record and, you know, has a lot that he could use on his side to argue that he's ready for that title shot. But the biggest thing is people questioned if he had faced top um, talent in his division. But, you know, he's not the one pulling out of fights. He's ready to go. So I feel like I feel the same way. I feel like if, you know, he gets a win um, over Makapa and especially in dominant fashion, give the guy a shot. Um, but yeah, I guess I- I'm with you. It is a l- slightly lackluster just because Makapa's last fight, uh, last loss was to a Pat Curran. But he is a veteran of the sport. He's someone that has wins by submission um, or just, you know, a few different finishes, submission and stand up. So I'm not expecting it to be, you know, an uneasy fight for AJ. Um, I just I think that this will just really be that test of, of the young versus the vet. So it should be good. I, I are we making predictions already? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I'll toss it to you. I was going to point out, um, mind you, that these comments i'm not hating on aj mckee mm-hmm. remember i think he came in like his first fight was in bellator if i'm not mistaken this is what you do with young prospects you develop them you're not throwing them into a title fight when they're five and oh so right. i don't want to say like you know it's his fault he's no they've been developing him he's only about you probably know this 23 24 yeah i think he's around 23 or 24 yeah, you know, this is a young guy. You know, he could easily be around another 10, 15 years the way that guys are fighting nowadays. So I'm not hating on the fact that he's been slow in his level of competition. My thing was, he's finally at that point. I kind of wanted him to finally fight these guys that we actually are familiar with. You uh, say it very bluntly, people are not familiar with AJ McKee's opponents his whole career. That was finally supposed to change, so... That's the only knock on it, but he's been putting in work. I know Dad runs that camp. He runs a tight ship, so I know they're taking John McCoppa seriously. Mm-hmm. And then stylistically, AJ, similar to a bit of a John Jones, he knows how to do all the flashy tricks, spins, flying knees, very technical base. I like that he can do the basics to set up the flashy stuff. I think that's the sign of a kid who's putting it together very well. John McCoppa... From what I've seen, his fight with Pat Kern was actually underrated. He had a great game plan. He got in Pat's face. He was throwing punches, kicks. That is something you're going to want to do against a taller, longer A.J. McKee who's going to try to set up this stuff. So I think that John is going to go in with a good game plan. It's just can he avoid taking too much damage from that versatile attack of A.J. McKee? That's going to be the key to this one. We got to pick a winner. Ladies first, Miss Kayla, who do you see taking this one? Yeah, I just think that, um, and I mean, again, like you said, maybe just because we have a little bit more of an insight of who AJ's training with, and I've just spoke with him a lot. But like you said, I just think he is that new talent, and I think he has the proper people around him, like you said, and then the way that Bellator has developed him, just developing him into this well-rounded fighter. 
I think that it is a big fight for him because I think that he is going to be tested. Um, and he says that we, no one's seen what he's the, you know, what his full capability is. And I think that this will be a fight that proves that. And I think that he should look for, you know, to finish it too, just to kind of make that statement and seal the deal. So, um, I, I think because of the youth and just the, who he's training with, I think he's going to just be, and like you said, just the, the other factors of, of how he physically compares to John Kappa. I think that I see AJ getting the win. I do. I'm trying to think of what my gut's telling me right now. Are you looking for Conor McGregor's mystic ball? My gut actually is still telling me it might go to decision though, but I'm thinking a unanimous decision. Okay. So just all systems go, but John Macapa hangs tough kind I of think deal. So yeah. I don't know. I'm feeling the second round. What I saw, I, I, I don't, I want to make it clear. John McCoppa is a durable guy. Like if I really thought that he was going to get smoked in the first round, I would say that. He, he has a few whiskers on him himself. I think the way this one's going to play out, though, is that AJ is going to hit him from enough different angles that it's going to start to overwhelm John, and he's not going to be able to come in with that high volume that he needs to if you're trying to really slow down the coming onslaught of an AJ McKee. So I think that that's going to be the real key, is that AJ has wrestling if he needs to get John on his back or I actually believe in his phys- uh, capabilities on the feet to be able to pick him apart on the outside, use that range. So I see AJ breaking him down and probably being able to land the big shot or do enough damage to stop it in the second round. But uh, I don't think John is going to go away in the first minute, personally. Unless he gets caught with a flying knee, something crazy, I think that John is going to hang tough till about the second. But I have AJ winning. Um, I think something important to note is that they've already talked about, I think, Patricio Pitbull fighting Eduardo Dantes, who respectfully is ahead of AJ McKee, in my opinion. But I don't see anyone left for Patricio Pitbull if he wins that one. I really do feel like if AJ wins, it's a title shot next, plain and simple. Um, Do you have any question about that? No, I think so, too. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, the way the roster is working. But yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. Um, Moving on, we do have some UFC action. This one, so Kayla, let me tell you a story. So the original main event was supposed to be Jimmy Manua against Glover Tashira. Glover Tashira unfortunately had to pull out. He was now replaced by Tiago Santos, who was moving up in weight to fight Jimmy Manua. On Sunday, Jimmy Manua injured his hamstring in a workout. He is now oh. out, so now Tiago Santos is going to be headlining the event against Eric Anders, who is already scheduled to fight at middleweight on the main card. Both he and Tiago will, are now moving up for this main event at 205 pounds. So quite the mix-up for all of them, but all these guys committed to it. They said the show must go on. I like that attitude, and this is still a very fun fight. Both guys have had... Not the best circumstances, but enough time to be in shape and have a good fight. What are your thoughts on this one? 
Yeah. I mean, this is how some people, uh, you know, get that opportunity. And I think that's why you got to stay ready. I think it's a good matchup. I think that, you know, both men are just very athletic and I see it being a more uh, fast paced fight, um, which to me is very exciting. And I think that both of them have that finishing power. Um, as far as I was trying to look at Eric Anders and who he's faced. He had the big Leo fight with Yoda Machida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then he picked up that other one. Was it Tim Williams? Mm-hmm. Where he had like the, the head kick knockout. That was his last one in August. Yeah. So I think, and I remember that fight too, thinking that he looked, you know, looked really good. And I think that um, for someone that's kind of transitioned over from the football, um, I think he's proven that he's, putting the work in the gym to really become a well-rounded athlete. I, how are you predicting this one going though, G? I mean, I, it'll stay standing or well, go ahead. I'll be honest. It's such a back and forth one because what I like about Tiago Santos, he goes in there. He's not really refined, but he's all about physicality. He hits you. And even if it's, you're going to block it or it's going to your arms, not the body. He's intending to move you with those shots, and I think that's what makes him so dangerous. That being said, Eric Anders, I like his wrestling. I like the pressure and the volume he tends to put on, and I think the fact that he was already training for this card is going to help him a lot. He literally fought less than a month ago. He hasn't had time to get out of shape, and I think that the fact that he's already been putting in work is he's going to feel already a little dialed in Tiago Santos, just stylistically, I don't know how he's going to deal with the takedowns, maybe some of the groundwork that Eric Anders is going to put on him. Mm -hmm. And I think that could be the real key. Tiago, like he could do to most of these guys, can catch you and put you down. But right now, I am actually favoring the more multifaceted attack of Eric Anders to get the job done. Yeah, I think I see it going that way, too. I think that he is just a guy that's, again, a younger guy that's kind of um, building up to be a well-rounded fighter. And I know people are worried about the the last-minute change, but like you said, he's already been preparing and is in shape. So I, I do see it, yeah. I think that the guys, I feel like I could see them kind of wanting to put on a show and test each other's stand-up. Um, but I do see Eric Anders just um, using his feints and, and using his movement to be able to take it to the ground and be more dominant. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know, um, under the circumstances, I don't know if I see a finish, but then again, under on short notice, I don't know if these guys are capable of fighting a very tough five rounds, which makes this interesting. Um, I I think if it's going to be, but I think if Tiago Santos is going to finish it, it's going to be by a first round KO, just mm-hmm. using that physicality. But my prediction is uh, Eric Anders, probably around the third round, gas him out, then finally just get him, st- you know, get him stuck in a position and finish it off with strikes. I think that's going to be what's going to happen. Eric Anders, third round TKO. Same page, G. I see Tiago either with an early finish or Eric Anders wear and tear breaking him down. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be good stuff. Um, the, that card, it, it's tough because they've had a lot of changes. They they were going to have quite a lot of fun fights. And 
that's just the fight game on this one. But, you know, we know the fans in Brazil love it. So I think it's going to make for a good atmosphere that produces some good fights, too. Kayla, that's it for our show, but we almost have to do a bit of a sneak preview. Next week, it is the Super Bellator card. Rory versus Gegard Mousasi, Vanderlei, Rampage, Douglas Lima, Andre Koreshkov, Aaron Pico comes back. Lots of fun stuff, and then we're going to be attending another event. I mean, give me your thoughts on that, <laughs> just all the stuff going on next week. Yeah, it is going to be a packed weekend. Um, I'm happy that our event's on Friday so we can enjoy Saturday's Bellator card. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's probably, you know, one of their bigger events of the year, if not their biggest, I think, just to get that tournament started and then also pack it with, you know, the super fight um, and some of its, its rising stars is going to be a good one. I'm kind of bummed that we had to miss it, but... There's just too many fights to cover. Yeah, and I mean, um, you know, as uh, as his life it comes back around again, so I still, <laughs> I'm not worried. I'm not gonna have FOMO on this one. Um, I gotta say, I think my thing to preview on that one is that when you talk about Rory and Gegard, you make the argument that these are probably the two best mixed martial artists that you've ever had in Bellator that have been tested fighting each other. Now, that's not disrespect to Michael Chandler, Eddie Alvarez, but I feel like knowing that how they've done against Bellator competition, knowing how they were doing in the UFC, these are easily two of the guys who you could say without a doubt, you know, there were questions about Michael Chandler. There were questions about Hector Lombard, Eddie Alvarez. There aren't questions about how good Rory and Gegard are or how they would do against the other competition, the other promotion. I think that's what makes this fight so much fun. And you can make the argument that these are the two best fighters Bellator's ever had fighting. That makes it a really fun one. So I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Okay. I was like, oh my God, did I lose <laughs> you? Did Mystic Mac just take Kayla away? But yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun stuff fans you can find me on social media at double g on tv just spell out the word double also to have a look out i'll be having an interview coming up with jose aldaya the newly crowned combate america's bantamweight champion that's going to be a fun one and kayla of course fans know to keep up with you where can they find you yeah they can check me out at fangirl underscore mma all right guys we'll be back next week till then enjoy the fights